Welcome to Premier Health Now On Air. If you're looking to get healthy or healthier this winter, we have helpful and timely tips for you straight from the source. I'm your moderator, Leslie Lane, and with me today are Dr. Anessa Alipat, family practice physician with Fairborn Medical Center. Welcome to you. Thanks for having me, Leslie. And Dr. John Salentic with Premier Orthopedics, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. It is the new year, and holiday feasting is mostly over. The research group YouGov says exercising more is one of this year's top three New Year's resolutions. The other two, by the way, were eating healthier and saving money. Well, we found a 2012 study reported by the American Physiological Society that compared overweight adult men doing 30 or 60 minutes of exercise daily. And these were basically couch potatoes. They're sedentary people. And the finding was that after 13 weeks, there was no significant difference in how much weight each group lost. So maybe 30 minutes is a good place to start and enough. Does that surprise you, Dr. Salentic? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. There's several research lines that have been done over the last several years showing that just being active, period, is uh, generally healthy and can be a component of weight loss. This particular study is delineating a pretty substantial timeline difference between 30 and 60 minutes, but the bottom line is if you can approach that 30-minute level or approximately 150 minutes per week, that you can achieve uh, substantial weight loss. However, it's only one of the factors that has to be considered, but certainly just being active, and if you can accumulate those kind of general minutes per week, you're probably going to be successful, at least in part. And I do want to get to the other factors, but let me ask, is it different if I'm a beginner or I'm already fairly active? Relative to weight loss, I mean, obviously it depends on your starting point, but a general caution or just a concept is going to be in the realm of starting on the easier side of both volume, intensity, and how many days per week you're working out because of, obviously, uh, folks who are dealing with maybe an overweight issue, maybe a little bit older as well. It's, you know, the generalization to say that, but point is, is that overuse injuries can be a part of it. And so you get too excited about getting into your program. Next thing you know, you've created an overuse injury, derailing your excellent motivation for a resolution of being healthier. And speaking of motivation, I want to get to that because we know obesity is a huge problem, but I wanted to talk more about the average person who's carrying some extra pounds. How can exercise help them be healthier? Well, in general, um, you're certainly burning more calories when you're exercising, and it's a motivating factor as well because if you're exercising on a regular basis, do you really want to waste all that exercise and time and effort you've put into what you're doing and just eat it away? So most people that are motivated enough to put the work in don't want to just waste it all on, you know, chocolate cake or whatever they're, they're feasting on. What differences might I see, you know, blood pressure or sugar levels or besides weight? I mean, what other health benefits might I see from getting active like that? Well, certainly most people feel better when they're exercising on a regular basis. You know, it can help all types of, you know, if you're feeling stiff and having arthritis problems, sometimes just being more active can help that, as well as sleep. People have trouble sleep. If they're being more active, they will sleep better at night within... Um, also, yeah, just like you mentioned, blood pressure and blood sugar and all kinds of health benefits that we see with regular exercise. How hard do I have to work to see any benefits? 
Well, in general, you know, we do recommend that you get to a certain target heart rate for the individual, maximizing at about 85% of your maximum heart rate, which you can do a calculator and figure that out. But in general, you want to keep your heart rate elevated for about 20 minutes to see some cardiovascular benefits. But that's, you know, just one of the benefits we talk about with exercise. And I really feel that each individual has to develop their own exercise program that's going to work for their lifestyle. So if you say 30 to 60 minutes, five times a week, if that's something that you are either physically not able to do or your life is just too busy to do that, don't set yourself for failure. It's really important to set your goals small and set them for success so that it's continued. Most people you know, quit their resolutions within two weeks of starting them. So you want to say, okay, you know, I'm going to set my goal till January 30th. I'm going to exercise 10 minutes, four times a week. And if you're successful at that, then the next month, then you can go, okay, well, I'm going to do 20 minutes or 15 minutes. But, you know, it depends on how well the person is in terms of, you know, is a 23-year-old versus a uh, 65-year-old and, you know, where they are athletically. But in general, it's very important to keep in mind where your goals are and make them successful. Back to the multi-factors. If weight loss is my goal, is exercise alone enough? Exercise is certainly going to be a component of it, and uh, it's easy to be kind of directive when it comes to exercise because it has a fun component to it, and it's it, there, there's a recipe with it. The dietary part, there's a couple of barriers I think often occur. One is it's it's a sensitive topic that sometimes even for physicians to speak with their patients, difficult to say, you know, caloric restriction or eat this type of food. But the data does support that a combination of exercise and dietary components of your of a weight loss program are critical. And there's actually some data that's more recent than the last couple of years that's showing, you know, if you broke it into thirds, so X amount of weight loss, about a third of it's can be consistently maintained by exercise, but about two-thirds really are reflective of dietary modifications. And so we, we, don't, we can't ignore that diet is a critical factor within. And, and the choices of foods, you know, again, a lot like Dr. Elipat was mentioning, it, with the exercise piece, it needs to be part of a lifestyle. So we all have our vices. The moder- I'm a strong believer in, in moderation in anything. So if I'm going to have my chocolate cake, I may modify it with some other healthier choice at a different meal during the day, but I still want my chocolate cake. And, you know, if you can adjust the whole package for the total goal of, you know, a pound a week type of an approach to weight loss, then you'll probably have success. Well, there are those who say diet is a four-letter word, but it really just means what we eat, right? Absolutely, yeah. So is there, you mentioned the pound a week, is there a way to modify your eating habits for weight loss that works better than others to get to that kind of a pound a week? Well, there probably are. I mean, I, you know, Dr. Alipat may be able to answer more of that. I, I, I'm i not going to profess to be an expert dietitian, and there are many kind of philosophies on carbohydrate to protein ratios and a lot of those types of nuances that are out in the in the literature, both layman and scientific press. But I think the, the bottom line idea is, is that calories are reflective of weight. And no matter how you slice it and dice it, if you have 
the typical American overconsumption of calories on a daily basis, you're bound to put on weight, independent of how active you are. You, it isn't a one-to-one ratio. So, you know, oftentimes I'll make a simple comment to patients in my orthopedic practice that are overweight arthritic folks, simply leave a portion of food on the plate. Now, you hate to think about that with world hunger, wasting food, but, you know, if we drill home here, we have proportions that are so outlandish in many restaurants, and the way we cook at home follows that oftentimes. You just need to leave a little bit on the plate or don't load the plate quite to such an extreme. You probably see some benefit even with that simple approach. I see some vigorous head shaking in agreement over here, Dr. Allipat. Diet's extremely important, and I think that people that expect a huge amount of weight loss very quickly get very disappointed as well because it takes over 3,700 calorie deficit just to lose one pound. That's at least 500 calories less per day. So depending on the individual and how much they're eating, that could be, you know, a significant amount of what they're eating per day. It's important to realize that a half a pound to a pound a week is a significant accomplishment. And, you know, we see these shows, Biggest Loser and so forth, where people are just losing gobs and gobs amount of weight very quickly, but that's not really realistic. I mean, you know, a half a pound to a pound a week is very successful. It means that you have been doing your due diligence and watching your calorie consumption. And just like Dr. Solentech said, I mean, it has to be like, what can you do as a person, you know, whether it's the low carb or low fat or whatever diet works for you and your lifestyle, it ends up being a calorie restriction So let's say I have committed to this plan of losing weight. I've committed to exercising. What do I need to know before I head outside for a cold weather workout? Well, cold weather obviously comes with a couple of different factors. You simply have to be in a a perspective of safety, dressing appropriately. And kind of the old um, mountaineering approach is multiple layers because you can always disrobe and add additional clothes as the day's activities You know, if you're going to go out for a long walk, it might start off pretty nippy, but you get a little sweat going and all of a sudden you're drenched and that's potentially dangerous. So dressing appropriately is number one. Two, just, you know, with the apps on every phone nowadays, you can see is there some freezing rain that's been recently out there or coming during your exercise? So thinking about um, surfaces. So have the roads been salted? Has the sidewalks been cleared? So safety is obviously a key factor. But the other thing you have to keep in mind is is that cold in and of itself is a stressor. And, again, if we look at different age groups, so you take the 20-year-old who's going to go out and play a little snow football because the, it's halftime during their favorite football game, you know, they can probably jump out there cold and slop around in the snow and have a good old time, whereas a person maybe a little more senior than that who has some underlying cardiovascular disease might need to be a little um, conscientious that has their uh, primary care physician said, yeah, you're safe to go. We don't need a stress test, or maybe we ought to have a little evaluation done before getting out there and exerting in the cold, especially the the severe cold that we've recently had. It it is a stress to the system. And it's not to say that you can't do it. It's just that we wouldn't want to find you in the back page of the newspaper uh, with your motivation of being healthy end up uh, terminally not healthy. So I want to know, do you to exercise out in the cold and what's your biggest must do or favorite hack before you go out in the cold? 
Um, I do exercise regularly, and actually running in the cold weather is one of my favorite things to do. I hate running when it's hot outside, so that's when I kind of pick up that activity just because it's refreshing to me. But I usually make sure I have a hat on because a huge amount of heat can go from your head, so hats and gloves are important. And then just making sure that if you are going to be out for a while, that you do have layers on just because you are going to sweat, so you want something that's going to wick that sweat away otherwise you're just going to get very cold very quickly so that's important for myself i I love winter sports i've lived in areas that are definitely in the uh, tundra type of community so i love cross-country skiing and and some of the sports that specifically thrive on uh, snowflakes down here we don't have as much of that so i've got a posse of um, senior soccer players that we kind of get off on making sure we meet on the mornings on the weekends whether it's rain or shine or cold and it's just a good camaraderie. So weather is uh, in, in the mind's eye can be sunny every day, whether it's cold or not. And it sounds like buddies is a, is one of your. No, it's huge. One, yeah. Have yeah. some friends with right. it. It's a good old time. So the first outdoor winter exercise we often get is unplanned. That's that snow shoveling, but that can be really hard on your heart, right? Well, certainly if you're a sedentary person and you're not very active and then all of a sudden you have two or three inches of snow. So you've already discussed the cold is is one stressor and then you're bending and lifting and you may be out there for a while. So if you have been not very active and all of a sudden you're spending two hours or an hour working hard on your heart, then that could put you at risk. So it's very important to make sure if you're to attempt that, that one that you know that this is something that you can do and you have been active. If you have any medical problems or you've been sedentary, you should probably maybe get your neighbor teenager to help you out until you've seen the doctor to make sure that you, this is something that you can do safely. Great. Um, speaking of winter and snow, skidding and sliding on the ice and snow is great fun when you're like 10 or 12. Um, not so much for adults and especially for seniors. Do you have any tips for preventing falls in the in the wintertime? You know, from an orthopedic perspective, our practice uh, volume certainly goes up on the day after the cold, rainy, frozen, uh, black ice days. And most of the time folks are going to say I had, you know, it was – Unplanned, I had a handful of groceries or an armful of groceries. And you do the things that you do in the dry, warm months of the year and put a little bit of a stress on it, such as you said, a slip on the ice and down you go with a broken wrist. And now you're out of work or you're, you know, really significantly impacted by that. So absolute forethoughtfulness is probably the best prevention of those. Now, the other thing you can do, and and frankly, it was a a Christmas present a few years ago for my father, who's uh, quite senior, but a very active guy, likes to get out and doesn't want the weather to be a barrier to him. So there's these real nice little ice cleats, essentially for walking shoes. And a lot of the running shoe stores or online shoe stores will have those type of devices. So if you want to be an active person, there there are things that you can be creative with. But really the point is, is that if you're forethoughtful about it, you can reduce your risk. And so just like in your home, for seniors, get rid of things that look nice, meaning throw carpets and, and little ornamental things that are around your feet because a little slip and a fall or a little trip over a little object like that and down you go. So a little piece of rock or ice underneath some snow that you didn't know was there and, and you've broken your hip and now you're in the hospital. Now, obviously, those aren't always the end result, but it can be. So, again, avoidance is key. 
in the darkness because there's a lot more of it now. I think vision probably plays a sure absolutely a role. Well, sure, anytime vision can play a role, but you know, just like when the newscasters are on TV warning about the black ice that we can't see with our cars, the same thing is with our feet. So, you know, it may look like it's just wet. Um, whether you have good vision or not, and then you step down and you slip. So it's just about kind of being cautious and listening to what's going on around you before you step outside. Well, I was going to ask about footwear, so I'm glad you mentioned those. I had not thought about that, the the cleats. Yeah, yeah, there's a variety of types. I mean, and there's, you know, there's studded walking shoes. I mean, a lot of these things are not necessarily uh, highly available in our region because we're not an extreme weather city, but we get that extreme flavors of those weathers for a week or two here and there so you don't always want or feel like a need to invest in something like that but they are available if you're a person who doesn't mind having a closet full of equipment and you pull those neat things out once a year it may be worth it to you but if you're passionate again about walking and you know fortunately my father has stayed very active he thinks these things are great so he keeps them on a pair of his walking shoes during the winter months so it works out well and my hack is I found a pair of insoles that are some kind of NASA technology that reflects the heat back to my foot. And I have a friend who has socks with aluminum fibers in them that keeps her feet Technology is awesome. It yeah. is fabulous. So go online and research. Well, I think we can agree that there's no need to hibernate this winter. So get out, enjoy, be healthy, be safe. And for all of those helpful how-tos... Thank you so much, Dr. Anessa Allipat, family practice physician with Fairborn Medical Center, and Dr. John Salentic with Premier Orthopedics. If you want to know more, visit premierhealth.com slash healthnow. We'll be back, and we hope you will. I'm Leslie Lane, and thanks for joining us. And watch for our next edition of Premier Health Now on air.